0: Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it, that little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this, when we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey the Wizard of Vine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson.
1: have ever engaged with me or other listeners on social media, you know that I try to be really good about responding to you. I try to really make our social media platforms a happy place. I know what you're going through, what the country's going through, the world is going through, because it's really serious out there right now, And we're not making it any easier by going on social media and getting so serious and sometimes angry about things. It's not therapeutic. I'll tell you that. This last weekend... I just sort of reached a boiling point, and I hate to admit that because I really love going on social media and interacting, but I don't know why this is happening. I know other people are telling me that they're experiencing the same thing, that they'll post something that is pleasant and not particularly serious, and then all of a sudden there are these people that come along and twist it into a political conversation and spew out a lot of really serious and unpleasant Things. And I noticed this weekend that after a couple of people did that, listeners just jumped in and really objected quite seriously to that being done. Because, you know, I think that everything that we do is about being happy and being lighthearted and escaping from all the craziness that's been going on these days. So, Yeah, it was just not very pleasant. And there was one person in particular, a guy named Chris, who twisted a post into what became just sort of a mudslinging exercise. And I understand why listeners reacted so negatively. It was because it just wasn't appropriate. It's just not the place. If you want to have a really serious, an angry political discourse. There are lots of places that you can do it, but I'd just rather not see it on my social media platforms because that's not what I'm about. I'm not into politics at all. Well, I should say that I just keep it to myself, right? There's no point engaging because people just get so angry these days. So anyway, this guy, he kept posting stuff and then people would kind of shoot it down and then he'd post more and he'd become more aggressive. And I finally jumped in and I said, hey, you know what? This isn't the place for that, really. If you really want to have a conversation with me about these things, then I'll give you my cell phone number. You can call me. You can call me anytime, day or night, 24-7. I've been doing this lately. I've been actually offering that to people who want to have a conversation that is more serious than the show is. And when he didn't respond to any of that, uh, just continued this assault. I then said, I'll tell you what, let's do what wine was meant to do. Let's use wine as an opportunity to get together, to understand each other, to find common ground. You're in the U.S., I'm in Italy, but I will come see you. I will actually come see you because it's that important to me To show good faith and to show that I will respond to people no matter how different their beliefs might be than mine. And of course, he didn't respond to that invitation. I made the invitation three times and I meant it. I would probably, of course, bring microphones along, but you know, that comes with the territory. But nonetheless, it didn't grow fruit. And I finally had to just take the post down. And I'm just going to do that from now on. It's not that I'm censoring things, but I want anything that has to do with Grape Encounters to be your happy place. And I intend to make it that as much as I possibly can. Now, to that particular subject, I have something I want to add. And that is that I got this sort of negative post from a listener named Judy from Sonoma. And she writes, usually I so enjoy grape encounters on my Saturday afternoon, but today's show hardly talked about wines, wineries, or winemakers. It was all trivial yakking. Please keep me happy on Saturdays. Talk about wine. Now, what she was referring to was a show where I talked a bit, or actually more than a bit, about wine travel because so many people ask me all the time is it safe to travel out of the country with COVID and everything that's going on? Where are some good places to go? People have felt really pent up because of being basically locked up because of COVID. So I wanted to talk about this anyway, but then comes the Ukraine war, which sickens me to the core every moment that I think about it. And I think about it all the time. And so I felt it was really important to distinguish areas that you could feel safe to travel to versus places that you really should avoid. You must avoid, I should say that. Okay? you know, like it or not, it's what's on a lot of people's mind. And I get asked all the time. So anyway, yeah, she wasn't particularly fond of that conversation. I will tell you that a week later, she wrote me a completely different post and said, Really enjoyed your story about the Russian writer who happened to stop by your previously owned wine shop. When you were closed, you let him and his parents in anyway. What a serendipitous happening. A new international friendship. What a different story it would have been if you just refused to serve them. Now, I should point out that that particular story wasn't about wine specifically either. It was just, as she said, about a new international friendship. The guy that she's referring to, is the bureau chief for the New York Times in Moscow. What a world he's living in right now, I'm sure. But a really cool guy that happened into my shop. And I had read a story that he wrote that morning. I read it that morning. And It was written in Moscow, and he comes to visit his family here, and I had been talking about that story all day, and then like at four o'clock in the afternoon, he walks into my shop, and oh my gosh, I was just so taken aback and so honored to have this phenomenal journalist in my presence. So anyway, that's what that was about. Now, I wrote Judy back, and I told her that I would dedicate the next show, which is this one, to her. And I would talk about any subject she wants me to talk about. And she didn't respond. At least she didn't tell me what she would like me to talk about. And I would think there's lots of things that we could have talked about. But anyway, didn't happen. So I decided that I was going to do a story a real comprehensive look at wines that I think you need to know and engage with and compare them to what are considered to be the most popular wines in the world. And that can be based on acreage planted. It can be based on revenue. It can be based on the number of cases that are produced, lots of different ways to measure that. But generally speaking, the wines on those lists from one list to another, are pretty much the same. But they're not the same wines that are on my list. And my list takes into consideration that a lot of wines are not available in certain parts of the country and world. And so we have to kind of adjust for that because I want you to be able to go find wines that you'll really enjoy. And it's really stupid if I just list wines that are impossible to find. Okay, we're going to do that in a second. But because of all of this stuff about social media that I have addressed here, I have decided to unveil A Grape Encounters Happening, a interactive exercise that we can do that'll be really super fun and constructive for you that can change the world right here on our little benign radio show, and it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes. I'm going to tell you about it when we return, because I think it's such a great idea, and I don't know why I didn't think about it earlier. It's kind of based on two of my favorite quotes, one from our friend of the show, Wes Hagen, who taught me this saying, which is, Wine should be a social lubricant that stimulates conversation about everything except the wine. And then the other comment was given to me by the most amazing winemaker on the planet, Mike Gergich, who once told me this. You should drink wine and not water because water separates continents, but wine brings people together. And that is exactly what we're going to try to do when we return with Grape Encounters. Every time I visit Total Wine and More, something amazing seems to happen. On my last visit, I picked up this Cabernet at a totally low price, and it became my instant favorite. Well, until my next visit. Check out the mind-numbing selection of wine, beer, and spirits at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21.
0: You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends
2: are for. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. mmorganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil, and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. mmorganics.com. Eating any other nuts is just plain nuts.
1: I'm so pleased and honored to tell you that this edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know what? I have loved Total Wine from the first time I walked into one of their stores about 15 years ago, actually, and they have always been my number one favorite retailer of wine, beer, and spirits. As a matter of fact, I've been recommending Total Wine and More long before they were a sponsor of this show. Total Wine and More, where you will find what you love and love what you find. Okay, so let's dive back in. And at the end of the last segment, I was telling you that I was going to unveil the Great Grape Encounters Challenge, kind of a social experiment that you and I are going to participate in. And I think you're going to find it very interesting. And I hope that you'll go along with me on this and that you will participate because we're going to take the first steps toward changing the world. Now, I think that everybody is noticing that people are just a lot more tense these days. People are kind of crabby. Not everybody, of course, but there is this underlying tension that we all experience every single day. Everybody's a lot more serious. Certainly, they have a reason to be. There are a lot of things that are challenging us right now, and so we're probably not at our very best. And the thing that really saddens me is the fact that a lot of people are disenfranchised. They no longer speak to Best friends and family members. Relationships that were once quite good are non existent now. And I think that there's something that we can do about it. I was thinking today about that song by the Searchers, recorded back in 1959. The first verse goes like this I took my troubles down to Madame Rue. You know that gypsy with the gold capped tooth. She's got a pad down on 34th and Vine, selling little bottles of love potion number nine. I have a feeling that love potion number nine is really love potion number wine because wine is an incredible tool to bring people back together. It's just got these magical properties. And I can honestly tell you, I'm not making this up that over the years, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times when I was at issue with somebody or things weren't going the way that I had hoped that they would go, that I would just call that person up or contact that person in some other way and just say, hey, uh, how'd you like to get together and enjoy a really good bottle of wine? And by the way, I would usually tempt them with a good bottle of wine because that works better. And that is if they know wine. If they don't, then don't bother. But anyway, I've had such success in my life doing this. And I told you about that quote Mike Gergich shared with me, water divides continents, but wine brings people together. And it is incredibly true. So Since you're probably more than a little bit aware of how crabby people are, and you're probably suffering from some lost relationships, let's do this. Let's contact one person. Let's start with one person you think your relationship with can be improved and invite them over for a bottle of wine, offer to bring a bottle of wine to them. Maybe you want to throw dinner into the mix, but do this and see how well it works. And then you're going to contact me. You can go to Facebook and search for David Wilson Grape. That's all you have to look for then you can either send me a private message or you can post something right on the Facebook page and say, hey, I did it, or hey, it didn't work, whatever the case may be. And then I will take some of those responses, the ones that I like the best, and I will contact you and I will invite you to come on the show with me and tell the world about your experience. And if you wanna remain anonymous, you can do that. If you're too shy to come on the radio, then you can just write me a letter or something like that. But for every person whose story I share on Grape Encounters, there will be a surprise tailored to each individual experience, but we're going to do something for you. And I promise it will be more than just a token something. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. The main reward is going to be that hopefully a relationship will be repaired. But if we take this program. And our love for wine and use it for good, I think it's going to be something that's really going to catch on. And it can be a really big thing. And that's what I want it to be. Okay, so enough said. You can contact me at david at grapeencounters.com or you can find me on Facebook. Just search for David Wilson Grape. And by the way, if you and I are not friends on Facebook, If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do that. I really appreciate it. It really, really helps the show in lots and lots of different ways. Okay, so I want to change subjects for a second because there's something that I've had a lot of conversations with people about that I just want to add some clarification to. We talked about this a month or two ago. It was about import wine and how many people step on the price of the wine. And so a bottle of wine that may have started out as $6 winds up being maybe $40. And I was in a little cafe bar here in Italy last night. And I was talking to this guy who was for 10 years a waiter at a really high-end restaurant in London, but he's from Italy. And he was telling me that he was really into California Cabernet Sauvignon and that they could buy it for about 20 euros. And I sort of did the math and I was looking at the formulas that apply to import and export wines. And if he's only paying 20 euros for that bottle of wine... The that bottle of wine is probably really low end. First of all, you've got the price from the wine producer, then you have the exporter, then you have warehousing, then you have the distributor, and then you have the retailer. And each one of them is stepping on the price of the wine as much as 30%. I've even seen more. And so that means the wine had to begin as a really, really, really cheap wine. And so for that reason, I really think it's better for you to spend a little bit more money on an import wine because some of the costs, like the shipping costs, are the same no matter whether the bottle is a $100 bottle of wine or a $10 bottle of wine. So if you just do the math, you'll see that a more expensive bottle of wine is probably a better value. And what is also true is that in many cases where you're dealing with an expensive wine the markup by both the retailer and the wholesaler is less. Look, I'm an insider. I was in this business for a long time, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the markup on wine is really typically 100% for the average bottle of wine by a retailer or by a restaurant. But here's where it gets interesting. If the wine is expensive, like let's say it's a $50 bottle of wine, that's the cost to the retailer or the restaurant the market will not bear 100% markup. And so generally speaking, there is less markup on expensive bottles of wine than inexpensive bottles of wine. And so that's why if you're looking at imports and, you know, look, it's, it's reasonable for all of these people to apply their markup along the way. But if you're looking at imports, if it's a Inexpensive import in general, it started out as a dirt cheap wine and maybe isn't going to be something that you can rely on being delicious once you open the bottle. But if it's more expensive, you've got a much better chance at a quality wine. So do that, okay? If you do that, if you trust me on this, you're going to be very happy, okay? That's what I have to say about that. When we come back, we're going to compare the most popular wines in the world to the most popular wines for me. That next on Grape Encounters. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes, and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wine's O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke-taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or artisan spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the friendly smile of an expert guide, ready to help you find that perfect bottle. And the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. Explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at TotalWine.com where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or craft spirit at Total Wine and more, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. So explore the wondrous selection at TotalWine.com where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly, be 21. then back with Grape Encounters Radio. And Judy and Sonoma, I hope that you are listening because really the rest of the show is all about you. If you'll recall, I was talking about Judy earlier. She sent me a message. She was a little torqued, gently torqued, I would say that a couple of weeks ago, I was not focused specifically on the wine. And she wanted to be to talk about wine. You know, I guess she meant varietals and how it tastes, which is kind of not what I do, by the way, because there are so many people doing that tasting note thing. You know, you can find just a plethora of podcasts and blogs and all kinds of things that people do. Frankly, they do a really good job, many of them, but there are so many. There are so many. And so I try to steer the conversation in a completely different direction. How can you have fun with wine? Where can you have wine adventures? How can you make the world a better place through wine, which is what we were talking about in the last segment. And by the way, during the commercial break, I hope you were thinking about who you might want to share a bottle of wine with and break bread with. I really want you to take this seriously, okay? Please take this seriously. And let's... Change the world one glass of wine at a time. Or, you know, maybe it'll take one case of wine at a time. I don't know. Anyway, let's get this thing going. All you got to do is contact somebody, bring over a bottle of wine, or invite them to your place, and maybe you have a meal as well. I think the great unifying food is lasagna. And the reason I think lasagna is a unifier is because think about what lasagna is. It's layers of stuff. It's just got all these diverse things in it. One layer after another layer after another layer. Isn't that what society is? You know, we are layered in terms of our beliefs, our races, our backgrounds, everything. We're very diverse. And in the end, we're basically just stacked on top of each other, one layer at a time. And we are a living, breathing lasagna. Okay, I'm not going to get any deeper than that. All right, so Judy, I was trying to figure out, because you didn't respond to me, I was trying to figure out how I could make you happy, and I then came across this article that I found pretty interesting. It was from the London Wine Competition, and this is, by the way, about a year ago, so it was not a brand new article, but I'm sure it's pretty much the same, but it was addressing the question of what are the most popular wines in the world. And I thought, oh my gosh, that would be so good for Judy, because this could get really super interesting. The article lists the 10 top wines. And by the way, there are tens of thousands of Rydals, so this is really narrowing things down for sure. But I decided not to read the article before I did something else, which was to sit down and list the wines that I hope are the most popular, that I personally prefer, that I would love to recommend to you. And then what I would do is make my list without prejudice. And then I would take the list from the London Wine Competition and juxtapose it against my list. Now, this, by the way, is a very difficult question. What is or what are the most popular wines in the world? Because there are different ways that you could measure this, right? You could measure it based on sales, which we tend to like to do. But that wouldn't be fair, right? Because there are certain wines that are very inexpensive and other wines that are really, really expensive. And so the really, really expensive wines might top the list, even though the really cheap wines, which more people are drinking, are actually produced in larger quantity. So uh, I don't like that idea. Then the other way that you could do it is by acreage. How much acreage is planted in these varietals? And by the way, that is what the London Wine Competition used as their basis for judging what the most popular wines are. You know, that's not really the best way, though, and I don't think I can get the information to give you an answer based on what I think the best way is, which is tonnage, right? How many tons of grapes are harvested? And the reason why that's better than acreage is because some grapes have to be planted very far apart, some can be planted very close together, some acreage yields tremendous amounts of fruit, other acreage doesn't, some fruit by itself is just more prolific in terms of the tonnage that it produces. So you can see where this is a problem. But anyway, I'll go with acreage. That's fine. We'll do that. So London Wine Competition lists... 10 wines. That's really tough. I went way over that because what I wanted to happen with this segment is I wanted Judy in Sonoma to know exactly what I think she ought to be drinking. If she's going out shopping for wine, what she ought to put in her basket. And Judy, I do hope you got a total wine because if it's not there, it probably isn't produced, right? Anyway, so the top 10 list from the London Wine Competition, I will list those wines. Then I will let you know whether or not they made my list give you a few comments and then we will continue on with an extra like 16 wines in addition to the wines that are on the london list so you might want to grab a pen and paper or you can just wait and then go to the grape encounters website and we will have this information there for all eternity okay not part of eternity but all eternity all right so uh, going backwards on their list their number 10 wine purely based on how many acres in the world are planted. And it turns out that 274,300 acres are planted in Trebbiano Toscano, which has been an Italian grape that has been maligned many times. But it's still the number 10 wine on their list. Number 10 wine in the world based on acreage planted. And is it on my list? No, it's not. So, you know, in case you think I've just got this Italian thing going on, Trebbiano, I like it, but it didn't make my list. Maybe later. I can honestly tell you that I haven't had enough of it to really be able to say, yes, go out and get it. But the ones I've had are very good. Okay, second from the bottom of that list of 10 is... Pinot Noir and there are 285,000 acres of Pinot Noir planted in the world and it gets a resounding no. I just can't recommend Pinot Noir and here's why. I know, I know a lot of you just absolutely love it. I like to call Pinot Noir the liver and onions of wine because people who love liver and onions, they love liver and onions, but people who don't really don't. I've just had so much Pinot that I just don't like. And beyond that, it has a flavor profile that I'm not fond of. And you know what? I have courage, courage, because I am willing to say I don't like Pinot. And so why should I recommend it to you when there are so many other wines I'd rather recommend? Now, uh, we're skipping around white, red, no particular order, but the number Eight wine is one that really deserves to be right at the top of the list. And that is Sauvignon Blanc, 299,000 acres. Many of those acres in New Zealand. I love the New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. You know, I like California Sauvignon Blancs as well. But gosh, the, the New Zealand ones have these tropical notes that I just absolutely love. It's such a good value. It's such a crowd pleaser. Yes, 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 yes. Next, number seven place is Grenada. Noir. Or we can call it Grenache. We can call it Garnacha. It goes by a number of different names. There are 402,780 acres, to be very precise. And yes, it's a yes for me as well. Gosh, I I sound like I'm on American Idol. But yes, 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 I love Grenache. And it takes on so many different characteristics. So please, do Do yourself a favor. If you don't like one Grenache, try another. Because it is a real chameleon of a wine for sure. And another wine that is a chameleon in the number six slot, is Syrah. 470,000 acres of Syrah. Much of that you will find planted in Australia, where they call it Shiraz. And I love the Australian Shiraz, Syrah, whatever you want to call it. So good. California Syrahs, so good. Very versatile wine. Again, like I said about Grenache, if you don't like one Syrah, try another because it can take on many forms. And then we'll wrap up this segment with a wine that I gave a no just because it's boring because I've had so much Chardonnay, 518,900 acres of Chardonnay most people say it's the number 1 white wine in the world but there are things that i think are just so much better and the chardonnay you know it's a chameleon too but i think for the wrong reasons there are things that they do to chardonnay to make it taste oaky to make it taste buttery you have to manipulate it a lot i don't like manipulation all that much especially by other people so yeah nothing wrong with chardonnay i love un-oaked chardonnays the chardonnays that are made in stainless steel just beautiful right but uh, not my thing right now. And then the next one that I'm going to talk about when we come back is one that you've never even heard of. So that coming up next on Grape Encounters Radio. Thanks for listening. We're going to have a lot more fun in the next segment. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine & More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, dedicating the show to Judy in Sonoma, California, because she wanted us to be a little more wine-centric. Said we were drifting too far afield lately. So anyway, we're doing this for you, Judy. And we're going through a list of the most popular wines and then comparing that to my list of most favorite wines. And we are down to the number four wine, according to the London Wine Competition. It's a wine that I would say 95% of the human race probably is not familiar with. It is Aran, planted on 538,700 acres, if you can believe that. The that you're not familiar with the wine is because it's mostly used in spanish brandy although also made into a single varietal wine and is also blended on my list it's a no because who cares right number three is tempranillo It's understandably a favorite, but it's not one of my favorites. It's a little too dusty and dry for me, but 570,800 acres are planted in Tempranillo. Nothing wrong with the wine. If you like a really delicious dry red, go for it. It's just not one of my favorites. And number two is a wine that's always been one of my favorites, but it has fallen out of favor with me recently because I haven't been tasting a lot of really exceptional Merlot. And that's probably my own fault because Merlot is such a great Bordeaux grape, but I don't know, it's just kind of fluttering in the breeze as far as I'm concerned. I just haven't really had many exciting Merlot experiences. And you would think that with 657,300 acres planted in Merlot, it would make a better showing. Right at the moment, I'm a big fan, but I'm going to say no to Merlot. And then the number one wine on the London Wine Competition list of most popular wines totally understandable totally a giant humongous yes and Cabernet Sauvignon you're going to Hollywood 840,000 acres of Cabernet Sauvignon I'm gonna say this there's a lot of bad Cabernet Sauvignon out there tons of it but when it's good it is just so amazing I just go into almost a coma when I drink good Cabernet Sauvignon so it's always I think probably going to be on my list All right, so that does it for the London Wine Competition. And now I'm going to throw at a very fast pace uh, some other wines at you that I really think that if you're not drinking these wines, you ought to explore them because they're just my top wines and have been for a long time, I think, in most cases. So here we go. All right, I got to blow through about 15 wines. I just want to say that I tried to put them in some kind of order, and then I just said, no, forget about it, because it just depends on my mood as to whether or not these rank higher or lower. But here we go. First one is Red Blends. And you know what? This might actually be my number one wine. Obviously the red blends vary greatly, but there are so many magical red blends out there that it's impossible to pick one or even a genre of red blends because they're just so amazing. So discover them. They're just such a variety of wonderful reds. Uh, next one is a wine that I think is incredibly versatile and is not given the love that it deserves. And that is Zinfandel, also known as Primitivo in Italy, where I'm at. But you know, Zin is so amazing because the fruit forward Zins, like the ones that come from my former neck of the woods, Paso Rebels, just so yummy. And then the really dry Zinfandels, they make them much drier here in Italy. I call them Primitivo and they're amazing in their own right. Zin, I think, can be such an elegant wine and it really is underappreciated. Also, an incredibly underappreciated appreciated wine, which was the father of Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. I love the Cab Francs from Napa. Nuff said... If you're not drinking them, drink them. If you love cabs, you love Cab Franc. It's really a wine that deserves more of your exploration. Next is a wine that actually on the entire list is one that you don't find a lot of, but you will find it. It is oftentimes a wine that I say is in my top three, and that is Tanat. It's in short supply, but I've had so many great Tanats. I just am never gonna say, no, honey, not Tanat. Next on the list is a wine that just keeps getting better and better as we learn how to make it properly, and that is Petite Syrah. It's really coming of age. I've had some of the most exciting Petite Syrahs imaginable. Drink them. Love them. Next is Malbec. You know, people tend to think of it as a South American wine, but it actually is one of the Bordeaux wines. It just wasn't treated fairly. It ran off to South America and became the most popular wine there. I was looking at a list the other day of the top Malbec. Malbecs and I kept seeing the name Catania Zapata. Now Catania just makes incredible Malbecs. The Zapata label you will find on bottles that are as inexpensive as $20 and a lot more expensive up into the hundreds of dollars. But if it says Zapata, it's going to be delicious. Next on the list is Montepulciano or we could say Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, where I'm at. That is a wine that I have just fallen in love with. It's probably why I'm here in Italy right now. Another reason to go to Italy is Amarone. I honestly don't have the time to get into the particulars of Amarone, but it's an expensive wine because it takes twice as many grapes to make it. It's Italian. It's delicious. Nobody doesn't love Amarone. And a white wine, Gruner Veltliner, the number one wine produced in Austria. And I was saying that I'm just not so crazy about Chardonnays these days. So if you want an alternative white, Gruner Veltliner is the place to go. Also, from that same neck of the woods, Rieslings. I'll just say this that if you don't like a petrol taste, then be careful when you choose a Riesling. Next is Prosecco, and gosh, Prosecco has gotten so good. It still is so inexpensive, and if you're not a champagne lover, then try Prosecco because Prosecco is made from a grape called Glera. It's just a totally different flavor, and I think you'll love it. Next, I combined two varietals, Grenache Blanc and Viognier. I thought find them very similar. I love them a lot. They're crisp, refreshing, delicious whites. Also in that category, Albarino and Shannon Blanc. Again, two alternative whites. If you want to try something different, you want to get away from Chardonnay, or maybe you want to get away from Sauvignon Blanc, these are two great places to go. And then finally on the list, another sparkling alternative, which is Cava. Comes from Spain. You know, who needs champagne? This wine is made from a number of grapes that you're probably not familiar with, including Zarello, Paralata, and Macabeu likely grapes that you don't know, but it's made method Champagnois, very similar to Champagne, but a totally different flavor. For those who are not fond of the flavor of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, which is largely what Champagne is made from. Okay, I gotta rush out of here because we are so out of time, but gosh, we covered 27 different wines. I hope that's helpful. You can review this list again by going to GrapeEncounters.com. That's gonna do it for Grape Encounters today. Do what I asked you to do, and that is find somebody that you're at odds with with share a bottle of wine with them and make the world a better place are you following grape encounters on social media yet you're not well you should be It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters Radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio Pour Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.